welcome to Conversion Stories, where I share my conversations with members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I am your host, Joey Erickson. In today's episode, you will hear Bruce Peterson share about the challenge he accepted that led to his testimony of the Book of Mormon and the Gospel of Jesus Christ, how his patriarchal blessing gave him comfort during his time in Vietnam, and the lessons he learned while serving in a bishop's storehouse with his wife, Lou. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Bruce. Hello, my name is Bruce Peterson. I'm 73, and I've been a member of the church for uh, 53 years. Mm-hmm. So what was your spiritual or religious life like leading up to joining the church? It didn't really have one. I grew up in the orphanage system and foster home systems Mm -hmm. until I was seven years old. Then my mother remarried and she got us back and they went to church once a week for an hour, a a Unitarian church. and. we went to some sort of Sunday school, but that was it. We didn't talk about religion at home. We didn't even say grace. It was, if we had a religion, it was a one hour religion every Sunday. Mm. And then once um, I became a teenager, I, I really didn't go f- for quite a few years. So that was my early upbringing. And then, in my sophomore year, I sat down the first day of school, and there was a very pretty girl sitting right in front of me. I was a quarterback of the football team and eh, kind of had a supposedly reputation for dating a lot of girls. And, but this girl seemed kind of special. Very pretty, very not plain, but you know, not all makeup. And uh, we talked a little bit, and so I asked her out. And I'll never forget what she said. She said, uh, no, I can't do that. And I said, why? And I, she said, because I know too much about you and you know too little about me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, uh, it turned out that her father was the branch president of the first branch in Worcester, Massachusetts. <laughs> And I can tell you I was the last person he wanted to date his daughter. <laughs> but nevertheless, I, I like the challenge. So uh, she made a deal if I would listen to the missionaries, she would uh, ask her father to let her go out with me. Seemed like a good deal to me. So I met the missionaries. And of course they gave me the brochures on restoration. and. Um, and, uh, but the reason it was so interesting to me is that they gave me a copy of the Book of Mormon. Now, I grew up stuttering terribly, terribly. Um, my name's Baba Bruce. They called me Repeat. Mm-hmm. And I could honestly not talk very well. And I stayed back in first grade because I couldn't talk well enough to go on to second. But my friends, my only thing that I did back then was read and I didn't hang around with other children and stuff 
for obvious reasons. And uh, so I would read and read and read. And by the time I was 15, I'd probably read several hundred books, the classics, Shakespeare, everything. So I got the Book of Mormon and I read it. And I knew that Joseph Smith and his friends at the time could not have written this book in the period of time that they did it. I knew enough about reading and about literature that I, I knew that this book had to be true because he, he, he couldn't have read it. Mm. And from that point on, um, I really listened to the missionaries. And, uh, and, and that has always been my foundation stone of my testimony that I absolutely knew that Joseph Smith could not have written the Book of Mormon by himself. Mm. So that's what brought me to the church. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we moved a year later to Worcester. Um, my father's mother died and he wanted to live in her house. But it really upset my wife tremendously. And uh, long story short, I uh, I quit high school and joined the Navy. I was 18 as a, as a junior because I stayed back and I joined the Navy. And uh, she went to BYU. So, you know, how that story ends. <laughs> and we're still good friends, but uh, that was my introduction to the church. And uh, I, um, I did end up in Vietnam and uh, I did end up running around in the jungle, which is why I joined the Navy, so that wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, But I mention that because I met a Mormon chapel, a chaplain, when I was there, which I, did, I didn't even know they had them. And it was, it was quite of an experience, and a uh, real nice man. And only talked for a few minutes, but uh, I was very surprised that we even had chaplains, and uh, and uh, after I got out of the Navy, was home for a few years, um, attended the ward, and then I went out to California. And uh, long story short, I started a job working as a uh, landscaper. Loved it. Went to college and became a landscape architect. Um, I was away from the church for four or five years. After my service experience, I needed time to readjust, and uh, I went occasionally, but I, I wasn't really active. I didn't have callings. Um, and then I moved back to Massachusetts, and um, Lou and I met, as she told you, in, in college. And I was taking a refresher course, thinking I might go for my master's, and one of them was math. and. I saw her standing there and uh, asked her out. Hello became a moment, and moment became friendship, and f friendship became a marriage. Um, now you're going to have to ask me a question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to go back to when um, you were taking the missionary discussions and um, when you got baptized, were you able to be a part of that? Was it a branch for a while before you ended up moving? Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And um, it, it was a branch for quite a few years. Um, it was a, a 
really good branch. And it was small, and you know we used to do things together. And this is a long time ago when David O. McKay was a prophet, mm -hmm. things were quite a bit different. And we used to do projects. We went out and built additions and things as missionary service to to raise the money to build the the building. And uh, I loved it because it was probably the first family that I ever felt like was a family to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, my parents were good providers, but we, I didn't meet my mother for the first time until I was seven, you know, so it was a different type of upbringing and family that most people had, but they were good people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I loved the ward, you know, and I was there about a little over a year and a half. Back then we used to, the thing I loved about it was we uh, we used to do these conferences, you know, all the young kids from all over New England, and they'd rent out a college, and we'd all go there, hundreds of us. Mm -hmm. And uh, So to me, it was my first experience of having a real, a real family, close friends, you know, they, my stuttering didn't bother anybody or anything, and... Uh, so it was the first time that I really felt like I had a lot of friends and I wanted to go someplace. Mm. Yeah, I spent a lot of my time hiding when I was young. So as a teenager joining the church, were there things that you had to change as you were involved in the, the church? No, um, I never smoked and I, 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 I never drank, you know, even as a teenager and, um, I had studied for years in karate and judo and had black belts and um, I just knew I could never lose control and uh, I do not like losing control, not then, not any time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that wasn't a problem. Um, my folks weren't too happy about it. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> they, uh, they didn't believe in it at all, which is kind of funny because uh, my mother worshipped Jim and Tammy Baker. I mean, <laughs> of all the people to set your rock on. But to question any church after that would be something. But they thought I was doing it to date Janice. Mm -hmm. And everybody else did, too, including Janice's father. <laughs> Which at the beginning you kind of were. <laughs> but then <laughs> that Book of Mormon changed everything. Yeah, uh, but, um, so they had a hard time with that. But I know you're going to ask about the Holy Ghost, mm -hmm. so I'll answer that one. Um, when it was time to go to church, I mean to go get baptized, of course I invited my parents and they said no. And then I, and I, I said, can I use the car? You know, I used the car because I had a license. They said, no, you can't use the car. Mm -hmm. Church was a couple of two, three miles away. But uh, no one ever really stopped me for the good or the bad. But uh, so I said, okay, I'll walk. And I was walking. And I walked about a mile. And a member from the church came by and saw me and stopped. I said, you going to the church? Aren't you going to be baptized? I said, yes, I am. He said, but something happened and I didn't have a car. And I said, well, get in. And uh, so that was, you know, really said to myself, well, that's strange. So when they, um, when it was time to be baptized, uh, you know, we're in the back room and uh, everybody's sitting out there. And uh, 
So I walked out and I looked at the audience. Sitting in the front row was my mother and father. So only the Holy Ghost could have dragged those two into that church (laughs) and put them in those chairs. Wow. And uh, I'm saying it in a funny way, but it meant a lot to me then. Yeah. And uh, and that was the only time they ever went to that church. But they were there for my baptism. And probably no people were more surprised that 40, 50 years later, you know, I was still a member of the church. Mm. uh, But that was my first inkling. A small feeling of the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. I've had others, mm-hmm. but that was probably the first one when I said, "Wow, there's got to be another force here." Yeah, so, yeah. If you knew my mother, you would know how strong a feeling that was. So, what did what did your parents tell you why they were there? Did they just? Uh, no, no. Um, they didn't really talk about things like we didn't get into a long mm-hmm. estatorial conversation. So my family, you were family. just grateful they were there. No, and we didn't sit down and discuss them. things, yeah. and, yeah. and um, so uh, you know, my father, my stepfather, he was uh, not the type, and my mother never wanted to talk about anything. It's, uh, so, yeah. but she did believe in God in her own own way, and. Uh, she was religious that way. But, uh, so, how did your relationship with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ develop as you joined the church and read the Book of Mormon? And sounds like you didn't really have a relationship with them before. No, not at all. I had a real close relationship with them in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> Daily, I will. <laughs> <coughs> My uh, my relationship came because of the type of people. I never had a question, and and whether it was true or not. Like most people read the Bible, they don't have a question that the Bible's true. Um, but um, that only takes you so far. But it was the way the sisters and the brothers they did things together. You know, we did things for other people. There were children there and young teenagers. Uh, you know that didn't tease me or insult me. or um, So it was a much happier place to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I'd only been there about a year and a half when I went into the Navy. And then I wasn't back for four years. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was the way people treated each other, how friendly they were, how generally they, um, they really liked each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what meant a lot to me at the time because I had never had that feeling before. Mm -hmm. uh, So you don't have to answer this. Um, I don't know how open you are to talking about Vietnam, Um, but how did your relationship with the Savior help you through that? Well, I got my patriotical blessing just before I went to Vietnam. Um, And there's a couple of sentences in my patriotical blessing that said that I would uh, heal from all sicknesses and injuries and live a long and fruitful life. So that was kind of like, if I could have tattooed it on my arm, I probably would have. But uh, So I thought of that all the time. And uh, I believed in it. Mm. And, I, and uh, it, um, it took away the terror and the fear. I was... 
I was a lieutenant, and um, so I, I led, and it helped me there too. And uh, it, uh, I read that. I took it with me, and I read that a copy of it over and over again. You mm -hmm. know, the whole time I was there, and uh, and I don't know how you would have survived it without a belief in God. You know, and come out the same person. You don't come out the same person you were in, but come out a good person, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. somewhat stable. As you came back and weren't going to church, did you know that eventually you would come back? Or did you think you didn't um, know? I never gave up the belief in it. I, uh, I just was, uh, my testimony that it was true, never faltered. But whether I was good enough for it, you know, or whether I could overcome the temptations, and uh, and I can't say I always did, but uh, I never denied the church. I, if somebody asked me if I belonged to a church, which seldom happened, but I would tell them I did. I never denied that I thought it was true, mm. and. Uh, but there was about a 10 year span there where I just went occasionally. And uh, and then I met Lou. And uh, we were riding out one day, we noticed they were building a new ward building just a few miles from our home. Mm -hmm. And it got me thinking about it and how much I, I liked it before and uh, believed in it. And so I asked her if she'd like to go. And we went and then I asked. As she told you, she saw the missionaries and started working with them. And we've been members, active members ever since. If she had said no, that she wasn't interested, do you think you wouldn't have? I would have divorced her immediately. <laughs> it was... <laughs> no. Um, and would you have gone without her? I was ready to go back to it, mm -hmm. you know, um, and... Uh, being so close, you know. I mean, sometimes I think most people have a tendency to ignore the signs that are put in front of them. I tried not to do that. Mm. And I said, two miles from my house, somebody's got to be telling me something. Mm. And a lot of the people from the Worcester Ward that that used to belong to the Worcester branch were now part of, of this ward. Oh, that's cool. Because it was a very large area that we covered with that small branch to get in 35 people um, back in 68. And um, so, and uh, so we went there and, you know, we were very active and uh, we've been active ever since. Mm. So as you s started going back to church, um, was your like, prayer and personal scripture study, did that start up again, or was that something you were doing kind of on your own all along, or? Well, I always prayed. I mean, I needed all the help I could get, and, um, but, but we did start reading together, and we prayed together, and, and um, you know, it's, uh, I don't know what else to say, yeah, I mean, she read the Book of Mormon, and, uh, and we talked about it, and, you know, I had read all the scriptures multiple times and a dozens of other books about church members and 
supported Rockwell and, you know, the whole history of it. History is a big thing of mine. So I had a very strong knowledge of the church, not only in the religious factor, but how it was built. Mm -hmm. And um, and so we talk about that. So you were talking, before we started recording, about serving together um, in a... Was it a formal mission? Yes. Or, yeah. So why don't you um, tell us about that? Well, I've always had a belief that when the bishop and the stake president know your first name, it was time to move. <laughs> and unfortunately, we stayed there a little too long. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I had worked um, in a summer camp with the youth up there, two, three weeks, and I'd go up. And... and, and and our state president was uh, President Pitcher. Pitcher, yeah. I was going to stutter. I was trying to figure out how to say it. But President Pitcher was there. And uh, for several days, we sat down one time and talked for about an hour, watching everybody go on. And, and uh, shortly after that, I got called in and he asked if we would like to do a mission to. Uh, to the bishop's storehouse. Mm. So we did, and uh, it was a great learning experience, and then we, it was for a year, and then we extended for another year. Mm. And uh, there's all kinds of lessons to learn when you do something like that. It's, uh, it was during the time when everybody was losing everything, and uh, people would drive in with BMWs and, you know, $100,000 cars come to the store. And uh, sometimes I think people take a, you know, um, advantage of a system. Mm -hmm. But when you start working at the storehouse, the first thing they tell you is that the only decisions made at the warehouse are made by the bishops. Even the person running the warehouse cannot give out a morsel of food without a business a bishop's signature, mm -hmm. and uh, and that kind of kind of struck me. And I admit, at first I was making, oh, what's he doing here? And then one day this guy drove in with a Toyota uh, Tundra. I mean, this huge, beautiful pickup truck, very expensive. Mm -hmm. And I was saying to myself, I said, ah, what's this guy doing here? You know. And I said, great car, I mean, truck. And he goes, yeah, I got to turn it in Thursday. My wife and I lost that job. And it struck me that every lesson has a meaning. And right then I realized why it was only the bishop. And he told everybody, don't judge. Yeah. And I've never judged from that moment on. Mm. But you, you do something like that, there's lessons there if you want to learn them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we just don't know. The well, whole story, you know. Yeah, we don't. We just, we think we do sometimes, but yeah. yeah. Any other lessons from that mission experience you want to share? Well, that was one of them. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that I, uh, I had no idea what the storehouse was. We had one in Worcester, but we never went to it. But if you've never been to a storehouse and see the, the way they help people, it is an amazing thing, and um, it is so much more than you would imagine it to be. I mean, it's a supermarket in there, 
we shipped out two trucks on Thursday and Friday, and we covered from Libby, Montana to the Cascades, um, down to Lewis and Clark, and that is a tremendous area. Mm -hmm. And we would fill those trucks, and they'd stop at all the wards and the branches and drop off the food, and uh, and then come back, and we'd load them up the next day, and they would go, and um, and, and people that came in to be helped, many of them came in to do a mission. And many of them got, um, um, interested in the church. <laughs> and, and, and became members. Oh, cool. You know, we were there for two years, so we saw that happen qu quite a few times. So every little piece is kind of a missionary piece, and we, and we don't realize it. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't know what's going to bring you to the church. Yeah, that's very true. We, uh, we got sealed in the temple there, too. Yeah, oh, we, yes, yes. Oh, we did all our temple work. I had never been to the temple, even, even though I had been a member for many years. Yeah. And uh, so we, we did our endowments there, and we did our, uh, our temple work there. And... Uh, I did a lot of work with the youth and um, <coughs> and uh, a lot of baptism, which I really enjoyed doing. Um, it's uh, another reason that the bishop and the state president knows your first name. You should think about moving. I had a lot of serious callers out there and uh, ended up leading the um, the high priest quorum and. The Lord wanted me to do a lot of work there, that's for sure. <laughs> and I needed it, too. So going for years and years and not going to the temple, what prompted you to go to the temple, to want to go to the temple? Was it to be sailed to Lou? Was First that... person I ever met that I wanted to be with for yeah. time and all eternity. <laughs> nice. In, it was ten um, minutes away too. In my wedding <laughs> ring, it says "For time and all eternity." Mm. On the inside of Lou's, it says "Why me, Lord?" <laughs> <laughs> She's stuck with you forever. <laughs> forever. Uh, and I got the better of that deal. I'll tell you. Uh, um. So. What was the pandemic like for you going through that and not being able to come to church and be around members and did that affect your testimony at all or? No, no. Uh, um, my testimony's never been questioned in my own heart and soul. The only thing I ever questioned was I good enough for it. Um, but no, it, it wasn't bad for us. Um, we were retired more or less, and uh, so it wasn't as bad for us as it was for a lot of pe pe people I know, lost their jobs, and, and uh, how do they pay for everything, and we didn't have those type of concerns, and we helped out wherever we could, but it wasn't bad at all for us, mm -hmm. and uh, we never got sick or anything like that, so we were very lucky, actually, blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Having little kids must have been a nightmare. Oh, yeah. Nightmare. <clears throat> but I was yeah. grown. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder that too. That that would be hard. 
um, well, is there anything about your experience in the church that we haven't covered that you want to? Well, I think that people should be um, ready to talk about the church. You know, um, I, I think a lot of people, when they think of themselves uh, as missionaries, it kind of frightens them. Um, but if you read the, the scriptures uh, enough, you study them, you have to do more than just read them. You know, I'm convinced you'll get the knowledge that you need and the desire to mention it, to be, I always talk about the church. You know, we were at Goodwill and we bought some plastic containers and six or seven of them. And a lady said, "Oh, what are you going to do with all these?" Food stores. Mm -hmm. So we talked to her about food stores, and now we, you know, she started doing it too. She wanted to know about food storage, you know, and um, so that's one way. I remember one time we were at a at a yard sale or a moving sale and we were walking back to our car and this young man came up to me and he, he said, you got a minute, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, sure. And I said, what about? And he said, well, I'm a Jehovah Witness. I said, oh. I said, just let me ask you one question first. And he said, uh, I said, okay. I said, is it really true that you believe as a religion that only 400,000 of you were going to heaven? And he goes, yes. And I said, well, you need to listen to me because I have a much better deal for you. Mm. <laughs> I talked to him for 10 minutes. I mean, he thought he was going to talk to me. I talked to him. <laughs> so if you open up your hearts to missionary work, and sometimes a simple word will do it, you know. Um, and I've learned to do it quietly, you know, and with some knowledge. And if they're not interested, just drop it, but they're, you know, um, I've been a mission leader of, of, of a couple of wards during my time. And I always told the missionaries, don't judge your mission by how many people you baptize. Mm -hmm. Judge your mission by that you get up every day and you go out and do what you're supposed to do. I said, because you do not convert anybody, the Holy Spirit does. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, you'll never know. and. And that's how I feel about it. You know, if I get a chance, I talk about it because I don't know. I was converted that way. And, yeah. and I brought a couple of dozen people into the church simply because I said hello to them, including this one. <laughs> the love of your life. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> I love that. I like that. You know, planting seeds is... Yeah. You know, you just never know. And that seed could sit there for years. And then... Just think of it as a gift that you're willing to give to them. Yeah. I mean, the better, you know, you couldn't buy them a better gift. Mm -hmm. you, you know, and, uh, and that's how I look at it. It's, uh, but, uh, and I tell the missionaries, there's somebody out there, and I said... If you're meant to meet him to be the one to convert him, you will. Mm -hmm. But just go out every day and be proud of being a member. And don't be afraid to tell somebody you are. And I, I think that's what the Lord asks of us. Yeah.
All right, am I done? Well, <laughs> do you, only if you don't want to share your testimony with us. <laughs> no, I'd be glad to, to do that. I told you to wear a seatbelt. <laughs> um, I have a much stronger testimony today than you know I have over the past years, but uh, a testimony doesn't leave you, I don't think. I think you leave a testimony, and uh, but I'll never leave mine again. I believe in the church. I believe in our in Joseph Smith. I know the Book of Mormon could not be him, could not have been written by him or his friends. I know that uh, the gospel's true, the scriptures are true. I believe in our our prophet, and I believe in our bishop. I heard something the other day on television where Franklin um, Graham, the son of Billy Graham, he held up the Bible and he says, do I understand all of this? He says, no, but I believe all of this and I will continue to study this as long as I live. And it struck me, you know, that uh, we don't always understand everything. Okay, and that's our mind. But a testimony comes from our heart and soul. And if we hang on to that, the rest of it will follow itself. I had so much fun during my time with Bruce. I love how sharing the gospel has become a natural part of his everyday if you have not had a chance to listen to Lou's story yet, you can go back one episode to hear her conversion story. If you would like to see a picture of Bruce and Lou, you can go on Instagram to Conversion Stories Podcast. If you would like to learn more about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you can visit churchofjesuschrist.org. And if you would like to share your conversion story, you can reach me at conversionstoriespodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to sharing your story.